We're finally back. It's another episode of the Capital Crossover Podcast. And I'm your host, Kyle J. Andrews, flying solo again tonight. Um, we're on the other side of the trade deadline, other side of the All-Star break. Of course, we have some cool things in store for this episode. Pre-recorded a guest, pretty special one. It's ESPN's own Clinton Yates, um, you know, D.C. native, got it. We could pretty much rely on to uh, give us the the real when it comes to D.C. sports, mostly baseball, but that man knows everything about sports. You don't even have to worry about the rest of it. But we talk a little bit about baseball, too. I know there's a basketball podcast, but, you know, had had my guy Clinton on, um, had to ask him a couple questions about baseball this season, his thoughts on a, a number of things. But ultimately, there's a basketball show. There's a Washington Wizards basketball show. And, you know, number one, we're just going to get right into it because, you know, ever since the Wizards got out on the other end of the All-Star break earlier on Friday, they played against the Knicks at home and the Wizards lost 115-109. to um, Julius Randle just went stupid. He went stupid. I mean, it's it's unfortunate to see the Wizards constantly get just obliterated in the paint when there is nobody to stop, uh, you know, guys down the pipe. Um, and then Chris, Christoph Porzingis, I mean, he was, he was fine most of the game and then he got hurt. Um, he had 23 points, uh, but he, you know, yeah, Julius Randle was just going off. He had 46, um, two rebounds, two assists in 36 minutes. Um, I, just I, it was inexplicable you had what was it five guys from the Knicks had they were in double figures I mean that's not the weirdest thing in the world considering that the NBA is such a high scoring league now but I mean it, it's like the Wizards just got speed blitz um and and that's unfortunate for them they can't keep that up and the other part of it too is that it's not like the Wizards didn't have you know, multiple scores and, and double figures, too. I mean, they had even more. They had six. Um, they had Kuzma, who had 23. Porzingis had 23. Beal had 16. Morris had 12. Avia had 11. DeLon Wright even had 15 points. And yet, defense kills them again. I mean, that, that that's just inexplicable to me. Um, and then, of course... Today, as I'm recording this on Sunday, Wizards lose to the Chicago Bulls, 102 to 82. Nice old 20 point win for the Bulls. Um, they feasted without Porzingis in the middle to stop anything. And then, of course, if you don't have a guy in the middle um, who is getting to those, can, who can contest those mid range jumpers, then uh, you know Demar Derozan's gonna feast. Zach Levine's going to feast. And what did they do? They feasted. Zach Levine had 29 points. Actually, 27. I, I apologize for that. And De DeMar DeRozan had 29 points. Kobe White had 17 off the bench. You know, Pat Bev is what the Bulls now got a buyout. Um, landed with the Bulls, his, uh, his home team. Um, you know, him and Caruso as stoppers i mean that, that's a pretty 
scary sight when you got two guys who, you know, have black Air Force energy on defense. And then Caruso's a very heady guy uh, defensively. Pat Bev, same thing defensively. They're smart defenders. Um, I, I think that's something that the Bulls, they miss, especially when you got two guys that are, you know, having to take the blows as scorers. They can't really, you know, come back on the other end of the floor and, um, you know, have that health that they need to to come back and, and stop or the wind <laughs> that they have to uh, come back and stop guys on the other side of the floor. Um, but now with these two, of course, Wizards aren't giving them that much trouble. But, you know, you still have Beal out there. You still have Kuzma. Other than that, I mean, it was it was a little rough for the Wizards. Um, you know, Kuzma had 10. Beal had 18. Gafford had 15. And DeLon Wright had 14. But, you know, not a lot, not a lot of other guys stepped up in this game. Um, you know, Denny did what he does. He's a good defender. But... I mean, what does it matter when you can't score points? That's not, and I, I mean, and Denny's not usually, he's not a starting lineup guy. That's no offense to Denny, but he's just not a guy that's in, a, he's at the level of a starter. He's just not at that level yet. Um, Kispert's a nice bench piece, but not at that level yet of, you know, being that starter, that impact player that's immediately going to change things with the team. So just a very, unfortunate stretch for the Wizards um can't say it's too surprising um I know a lot of people are like well the Wizards say they didn't have I mean they don't have to face the Nets anymore they don't have I mean the East isn't as strong uh Nets are still a fresh young team now Nets might not have Kevin Durant they might not have Kyrie Irving but they have all these other players. They have young players that are exciting to watch. Um, Cam Thomas, Michael Bridges. I mean, they, they're, they're going to be a very tough out, I think, even though they lost tonight. Um, they lost to the Hawks, uh, 129 to 127. By the way, the Hawks have Quinn, hired Quinn Snyder as their head coach. I really like that pickup for them. Um, thought it was a really, really smart move for them. Hawks finally find that guy that I think maybe might be the Trey Young whisper. We we never know. Maybe he will be, maybe he won't be. But I like Quinn Snyder as a head coach. I think he's a really, you know, accomplished head coach that'll bring them some much needed beef. Um and then we don't we didn't really talk about the Kevin Durant situation yet, but you know, I think the Suns are going to be a competitive team, uh, if not one of the better teams out in the West when KD's healthy. They did lose today, 104 to 101 against the Bucks. Nice little 2021 NBA Finals rematch. Gotta love that one. Bucks got the better of them, just like they did in the Finals. Um, and the funny thing is, no Giannis. I mean, if the Bucks are playing like this, and I know you could say no Kevin Durant, but I feel like that's a wash too. Like you, that could go either way. You know, you bring Kevin Durant and Giannis out there, but Bucks did it without Giannis. Suns no Kevin Durant, of course, but I mean, <laughs> they still the talent wise is 
they've they've got a good talent core, even though a lot of guys are missing because they had to make that trade. Now, um, it, it, other than that, I just feel like, you know, this NBA season is just going to be so hectic. It's going to be fun the rest of the way through. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I cannot wait. I expect there to be fireworks. I expect there to be a ton of people surprised that their team either made it or didn't make it. And other than that, I mean, it's just going to be all around fun and I can't wait. You shouldn't be sitting there and saying, oh, yeah, this this NBA season, they're not playing hard enough during the regular season. And then say, turn around and say, oh, yeah, well, the postseason is so great. This is amazing postseason basketball. This is why the regular season is the way that it is. Players are gearing up for the postseason. The regular season is a moot point. You could be a seventh seed, you could be an eighth seed, you could be the tenth seed and make it in to the playoffs through the playing games. And guess what? You can still be a competitive NBA franchise. And that's what makes basketball so fun right now. And hopefully you guys enjoy that because I know I will, even though unfortunately the Washington Wizards not much to enjoy right now. Um, as the 10th seed, they still can make it into the play-in. As of right now, they would be that 10th seed, so they are in the play-in. But with Porzingis banged up, that's not the, you know, it's not a position that they want to be in um, with him banged up. And honestly, when he's healthy, as well as he plays, the team still, for some reason, does not pull it out. So that's an unfortunate thing. But on a bright side, we do get to talk to Clinton Yates in a couple seconds. Definitely excited to hear from him, hear his thoughts on not only, you know, the NBA All-Star game, the dunk contest, things like that. What are Clinton Yates' thoughts? What are his thoughts about the MLB right now? You'll hear that next. here with another special guest someone that you know you, you might know him from you know a number of different places whether that's Anscape or ESPN or formerly of the Washington Post somebody that you know I, I talk baseball with quite often but guy that knows anything you need to know about sports um, that's that's my guy Clinton Yates of course um you know, how, how's everything going with you? I mean, I'm I'm glad to have you on the show finally. Things are good, man. Let the people know the first time we met was in, not met, met, but the first time we covered a game together was in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. We were sitting next to each other at the Little League Classic. And I can't remember the name of that ball yard. I think it's Bowman Field. And uh, that was a fun baseball game to be at. So I'm glad to be able to join and uh, talk some shop. Yeah, of course. I mean, baseball, look. I mean, baseball was my first sport growing up. I played baseball from day one. I was on, I played T-ball and all that other stuff. But, you know, that that's the one thing that I think, you know, people are always like, it's not enough black people in the game of baseball, but it's also not enough of us covering baseball. But then when, you know, I think I'll say this number one to you, because 
it it definitely means a lot seeing someone like you covering baseball because you know the game so deeply. But it's also like, look, that's somebody that I could look up to that I'm like, I want to be like that person covering a game because it's not like I said, it's like guys like you, Jamal Crawford, so many other people, Kennedy, uh, who covers the Rangers right now. Like it's a lot of a lot of great baseball writers that are also black. Like, I, I think that that, you know, that's an inspiration to a lot of people. Shouts to Kennedy. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Kennedy Landry, LSU grad, she covers the Rangers for MLB.com. Um, I saw her at the Dream Series in Arizona, one of the hardest working people in the business and a very brilliant woman as well. And then, um, you know, just just going into that before we even get into some of the usual basketball talk of, of here. I mean, yeah, you had the HBCU. Uh, I think it was a showcase over the weekend down in um, Houston. Yeah. Um, you know, what did you think about that event? I, I thought that was cool that, you know, you get this opportunity to to showcase all these SWAC schools. You know, I, I mean, baseball is, is definitely big in that area of the country. But just to see all these other these schools that are predominantly black and have that history of, um, you know, just supporting black baseball. I mean, how, how cool was that for you for you? I think it was dope for a couple of different reasons. Number one is just the opportunity for the experience. Um, one of the problems with the way the baseball work, world works at the youth level is that kids don't get a chance to be seen. And beyond not getting a chance to be seen, they don't even get a chance to necessarily do something. And I'm not just talking about black players, but it disproportionately obviously affects black players. But the idea of a showcase, the idea of showing up and be able to do something more than just go to practice or play your games or, you know, whatever travel ball tryout that may or may not be worth anything outside of how much you're going to pay the coach. You know, the idea of being able to be a part of something like that, I think is very important for a lot of these institutions, never mind the players. It's not just about the kids that are playing ball. It's about everybody around it, the support systems and, you know, how you create a culture around the game at your institution, at your club, at your league, whatever it may be. I thought it was as important on that level as it was on any kind of any kind of talent evaluation level uh, as well. And then number two, uh, also another big thing in HBCU baseball coming up during this summer, you know, during All-Star Weekend, Ken Griffey Jr. is, uh, you know, bringing a, bringing a game where, you know, it's a HBCU, I believe it's the, uh, you know, HBCU Classic, if I'm not mistaken, up there. And you wrote about that for Anscape. And, um, you know, just to, just to give people kind of a reminder of what that is, can you explain that for us? So what the Swingman Classic is going to be, Swingman named after Ken Griffey Jr., for those of you who don't know who Ken Griffey Jr. is, get your fucking shit together. Um, he wanted to be a part of it, and it's in Seattle, obviously, where Griffey made his name um, alongside of his dad. And so what it is, is it's an HBCU All-Star game. And it is also going to be a home run derby. And the idea is that these kids, like I just mentioned before, they get to experience something at a level just in terms of doing it, being at the all-star game. You know, they have the futures game, which typically involves players that are at the minor league level that are, you know, going to be stars later in the day, later, later in their careers. But the college game is not necessarily one that is, or the high school game rather is not one that necessarily gets a lot of love. And so I, I just think in general, like, both of those things, high school and college ball for black players, if you don't even get any opportunity to get a look or some shine or even have some fun at that level, 
why would you continue playing? I know we talk about the grind all the time, but it's got to be fun at some time along the way. And I, I, I credit guys like Tony Regans, who's the head of uh, development at baseball. You know, you might know him from having picked Mike Trout when he was a GM at the Angels. You might know him for being the GM of the World Baseball Classic USA baseball team. But they also do a lot of other things between breakthrough series, between certain RBI things, between dream series. They're trying to give more kids opportunity to play the game. And to me, this falls under that umbrella. Uh, if you can get a bunch of kids to the all-star game to show off their skills, who are talented baseball players who are committed to the game, nobody loses. And I think that's where we are right now. Yeah. And I, another person I want to shout out to is uh, Carrick Jackson, who was with, um, you know, the MLB draft league. He was the commissioner not that long ago. Um, and yeah. that, was, that was a league I've covered pretty often recently um, with the state college spikes up here in central Pennsylvania, a lot of black players that have played, for that team, a couple players from HBCUs. I remember Michael uh, uh, Corsi and he was from, or Dorsey and he was from uh, Coppin State, you know, my hometown of Baltimore um, and, and my uncle's alma mater. Uh, but there, there's a number of places that I'm like, man, I look at the MEAC, they just merged with the uh, NEC for, ba for baseball. So, um, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, we keep getting leagues out there or keep getting these showcases or things like that. Well, you know, maybe these HBCUs down the line build baseball programs for the future. That That's what I hope um, just for just to have those opportunities for those kids, too. I, I hope so, too. But as I caution a lot of people, as I caution players when I was a coach. Don't get too worried about the success down the line if you can't hit the ball off the tee right now. And I'm not saying that black baseball or HBCU baseball is not hitting the ball off the tee right now. I'm saying that focusing on what you can do well and what you can do is of larger value than what, well, I hope it turns this down the line. You're right. These programs are building things. What they build, we do not know. If they build participation at the Little League level, if they build participation at the Babe Ruth and the Pony League level, that is as important as whether or not we can turn out another Frank Thomas, Barry Bonds, or Ken Griffey Jr., to be honest. Um, you know, and this is part of the thing that I talk about all the time when it comes to black baseball, particularly when it comes to the youth. Yo, not everybody's going to be a star, and that's fine. It's okay to just love baseball and want it to be something that's going to be part of your livelihood, whether you're doing that as a player or not, or whether you're doing that even as a superstar or not, if you want to subset into the player's elements. So that's what I'm getting at when I like when I mentioned that I like these kind of events, it gives everybody an experience that they can take something away from, whether it's you got a triple, whether it's, you know, you saw something in game ops that you thought was really interesting or whether or not like somebody saw you and it was like, I just want that person on my team, no matter what the business is um, around sports. You know, that's something that is typically used as an advantage for a lot of kids to do a lot of things, not always used that way for black kids. And I hope that sports, particularly baseball, because the amount of discipline and teamwork that is involved in it helps a certain generation learn that it's, it's a lot of things, a lot more things are doable than you think. You just actually have to do them. And that also goes into, um, you know, uh, we talk about analytics as well and how, you know, maybe there aren't as many people, one, there's already a lack of, the amount of black people involved in baseball as a whole. But then when analytics rolls around too, and we're talking about track man data and you know, how to operate those different things. Um, it's not Rexoda, as many. Yep, exactly. And it's not as many, you know, black people that are even operating those 
uh, systems in place. I, I feel like, you know, one thing I saw that was cool at Penn State was that there is a, uh, you know, young, young black woman that runs some of those uh, different, um, you know, types of data. And I, I think that's going to, that's going to further the game for a lot of different people, just having people that, you know, understand data that are people of color, that are women that can, you know, make that game go a little bit further and be able to explain that con those kind of systems and get those in place in places that, you know, might not have otherwise had in the past too. I don't want to. Did you write that story? Because I read that. Story. Yes, yes, I did. Okay. All right, I, I, yeah, I know I had, to I had to plug that a little bit. <laughs> no, that's fine. If you can edit this out, I'm saying like I read that off of a tweet, and I thought it was interesting because, first of all, good story, and secondly, like I don't know that I subscribe to the word understand when it comes to data and when it comes to application in baseball. I don't know that most front offices necessarily understand yeah. what they're doing that much. They are interpreting the data from what they know. But the issue of understanding what happens with data management or rather data computation or whatever the hell you want to call it is not one that has to do with who you are. It has to do with what you know. And that's where things get difficult is because in baseball, it is assumed that what you know is going to lend to what you can do. That's not always the case. And if you're going to assume that nobody that with a long-term baseball brain trust has any ability to analyze anything, well, then you're going to be at a disadvantage majorly. And that's where I think front offices could do a lot in terms of diversifying who they are. And I don't just mean in terms of what the people look like, but in terms of your methods of thinking, you know what I mean? Like data is data. Numbers don't do anything on their own. What you do with the numbers is what matters. And so when you think about a team like an MLB team, like, I don't know, the Houston Astros, like, they do it better than everybody else because they know what they're looking for and they know how to find it via the data. Data doesn't just show up and tell you who to bat one through nine. It's something that you've got to analyze and know. And understanding it is the first part, not the last part. And far more people understand it than I think a lot of Major League Baseball is willing to admit. Now, get into a whole different sport. I mean, sure. uh, a sport that, you know, both of us love to basketball. Um, it was an all-star weekend uh, this, this past weekend. And, um, you know, not a lot of comp competitions. Uh, you know, we had Mac McClung. We talked about that on uh, Twitter a little bit. And just as any as many people might not know that Mac McClung is from Virginia, but he's from the part of Virginia that's closer to Bristol or Blacksburg, a little bit further out west. Right. But even with that being said, he played a lot of AAU basketball in the DMV area, in the Baltimore area. Um, you know, a guy that was all over ball his life. And then he won the dunk contest this weekend. A guy who, you know, for for whatever, I mean, people are always going to think some white guy can't jump and can't, you know, do these things. But this dude, we've been watching him since he was, I mean, he, he might have been 14, 15 years old. I mean, what, I, was gonna what say, I think, think he was in eighth grade the first time I saw him. Yeah. he's. I mean, he was, he was doing things like that back then. And I mean, yeah. We've also seen him do some of the uh, dunks that uh, Jordan Kilgannon did. Another guy who's another dunker who is who also happens to be a white dude. But I mean, it doesn't necessarily matter if you can jump, you can jump. That's the way I look at it. But uh, you know, what did you think about his dunks this weekend? You know, it was it was bigger than the dunks, Kyle. I thought it had a lot to do with the generation he represents. His whiteness is one thing, but his age is another. And his coming of age 
time is is part of that. I mean, like I said, there was a time when in order to know who somebody was on a basketball court, you had to be in the gym. You know what I'm saying? Maybe a coach you knew told him about somebody. Maybe another player told you about whoever this person was, but you typically had to see a guy with your eyeballs to know. The internet changed all that. And when people started really bringing cameras into gyms in spaces that they weren't already, you started learning about new guys. Mac is the pinnacle of that generation of guys where I've never seen Mac play in a gym. I, I've never been in the gym when he played, but I've seen that dude. I, I, I know what I'm looking at. You know what I mean? I've been in plenty of gyms in my life. It didn't take me more than one highlight to realize, oh, this dude's the truth. And I don't mean to knock anybody that's been on the N one tour or anybody that's a street ball player, but that dude is a basketball player. He was playing in real basketball games, so to speak, and executing those moves in game. So when I heard that Mac was going to be in the dunk contest, I was like, oh, that, that that's a win. Like simply because I know that for what that competition is, nobody shows up doing the kind of things that he does. That that's just not how they play. You know what I mean? The way the way the game has evolved at the pro level does not mimic that. So as happy as I was for Mac, who by the way nailed it without missing one single dunk, which is incredible on its own. Never mind how good they were, which is just a tremendous moment. Um I was happy for the overall generation of people that everyone was like, yeah, yeah, of course we know who Mac McClung is. Like, what are we, what, what are you talking about? If, if you ain't been, if you don't know who Mac McClung is, what, what basketball have you been watching for the past five years? You know, and so that generation of humans, um, I would also consider Paige Becker's kind of the part of this as well. You know what I mean? People we learned about who kind of came out of nowhere and were now on the big stage. That's a valid path. And it doesn't have to be gimmicky. You can just play basketball. Mac broke all sorts of records in Virginia, JJ Reddick's, Allen Iverson's. I don't need to tell you all that, your listeners, but that's means something in terms of, again, I don't want to say hoopers versus ball or whatever that crap is. That's not the point. This dude can play basketball. He happens to be really good at dunking and he's white. You know what I'm saying? So like, those are all three things that don't exist independently, but I do think speak to where the generation of basketball is in this country not just the nba and it was cool to see those two things break through in those two communities be able to join once and let everybody learn about who mac mac mcclung is and then not to mention max is a former georgetown guy too i know he ended up transferring going to texas tech after um you know his time at georgetown but you know that, that was the other interesting t- thing too i mean that people who live around this area, I mean, well, live around that area, live around D.C., Baltimore, you know, Virginia, that entire Baltimore to Washington area, um, you know, it was somebody that they were familiar with. And right. that was a cool aspect of it. Like, we all knew who he was, but you also had people that were, you know, I I mean, it was some people on, on the West Coast or, you know, maybe the Midwest, South that weren't really fully familiar with Mac McClung and you know, some of the things that he did, which was wild to me, because if you watch Ball is Life, <laughs> you know, you know, you knew who he was. You knew who he was. You had to know who he was. You watch all of his mixtapes and things like that, uh, whether that was his three-point shooting, because, I mean, the night before, he was chucking threes in the, in the Rising Stars Challenge, and then he comes in. Now he's dunking. I mean, we've seen that before. And Mac can I'm, fill it up. Yeah. He's a ball player. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I was so happy for him. This was not a scenario where, to quote, you know, a great hip-hop song, he wasn't some geek off the streets, all right? Like, this dude is 
a guy that we've seen forever. And so for him to be able to showcase his skills at the highest stage, again, for the McClung family, for all of his people, for all of that, I get it. But this was a bigger win almost generationally. Um, and not just for white dudes. I just mean for sort of the internet basketball era. This was a huge, huge victory. And I think it was deserved on top of that. Yeah, it's like the equivalent if uh, LaMelo Ball won one of these challenges, like won a three-point competition, just seeing right. him pull up from, you know, half court. Um, but LaMelo had, you know, I mean, like, there was a different, you know, ecosystem around that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he had older brothers. You know, he had a dad that was very prevalent. He had a full system. That's not a knock. I really do appreciate how the ball's yeah. added to the game. It's just... Mac McClung has been a star. America just learned about him this weekend. Yeah, which is which is wild. That that to me is the most wild thing in the world. That you know they're just now learning about him when he's been a guy for a long right. time. Um, right, right. It's like a kill car. You're. I mean, we all we remember a kill car. He was yeah. a crime stopper. I mean, I went to plenty of his games growing up. Uh, I remember at Coppin State, he filled out the arena. And Mac McClung gives me that kind of same vibe, except that he actually made it to the league, you know, and that, that to me, and I think that's, that's one of the coolest aspects of it. Well, I think also McClung was just a better basketball player yes. uh, in terms of skill for skill. Yes. I remember this is a wild story. And this, this, you, let's see if you were there. I went to a game at Coolidge high school with my dad in DC when I still lived there where they played Gonzaga and guess who hit the game-winning shot from the exact same spot that he hit the game-winning shot in the national championship game? Oh, that would be Chris Jenkins. You know what I'm saying? Like, people forget the DMV area has been had talent. You know what I'm saying? That was never the question. And I went to that game at Coolidge, saw Crime Stopper. He dunked a couple basketballs, but then, you know, they ran up against uh, Gonzaga and Chris Jenkins, a guy who's, you know, went on to a good, solid college career. He banged the shot, and he did it four years later. I was like, oh. I've seen that before. It was great. And so I, I, the only reason I bring that up is because, to your point earlier, basketball in the DMV ain't about no Wizards. That is a small part of the pie at the top of the chain. It's a basketball town. It's one of the OG basketball towns in America. And as far as I'm concerned, that will not be changing in my lifetime. Oh, yeah. Uh, that I agree with. Because, I mean, D.C., you know, Georgetown was always king growing up. Uh, yep. You know, Maryland's not too far away, but people in D.C. aren't. Maryland no, fans. again that, that's local yeah. and, and I, that's still I, I local the metro to Maryland you yeah know what I'm saying like you know whatever yeah that's still local I mean we got one of our one of our co-hosts is a, a Maryland grad always always give him some uh give him some crap off from that but uh you that's know true. then you had the GWs of the world the George Masons of the world that yeah. are close by um it's so many uh, Howard's still there um sure. you know it's, it's a ton of schools in the area that you know, basketball, basketball is a, is a, it's a love story between basketball and Washington, DC. Simple as that. Um, in the DMV as a whole, you know, it's a, it's a love that I don't think many people, you know, yeah, I feel like Kevin, Kevin Durant did a good job of painting the picture for people that weren't familiar. But in his documentary. Even, yep. In his documentary. Um, but there's also a deeper story to be told in within that as well. Um, yeah. Even even that connection between, you know, Baltimore and D.C. and basketball in Georgetown, for instance, like Georgetown had number of players from Baltimore that were coming down to go play for Georgetown when John Thompson Jr. was there as well. And I, I think, you know, those two cities don't get the love 
for for the amount of talent that they produce. I think as as much as they should, and it and it's a great it's it's great basketball to be played. That's you know that's part of it, man. I ain't worried about all that. You know what I'm saying? Just show up, blow up. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Like the national recognition has never been a part of what most black folks in Baltimore or DC have been anything about. And the basketball is not really different. And I also want to say the other thing about that is that the girls game, the women's game is strong too in the area. Don't sleep on that. All right. It's not just about boys and men. The ladies of the DMV in a Baltimore area will bust your ass. If you ain't ready to play, believe that. No, that's facts. Cause Angel Reese, look at, look at Angel Reese, Mir McLean's another one. Uh, you know, so many others. That the list play. goes on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I watched those two play in high school. I watched those two battle in high school. And they were, I mean, Angel Angel's one of the, just to talk about her, she's one of the greatest basketball players purely that I've ever gotten to watch. It's like, I'd say her and Caitlin Clark are the two best that I've ever covered. Um, Caitlin Clark is playing a different game. She's yeah, only out um, it's it's a different thing. Like Caitlin Clark is almost on a Pistol Pete level, yeah, uh, of, of of impact. And I'm actually very interested because, and I don't want to sound overly, how do I say this? I don't want to sound overly simplistic. But one of the things we've got in the league now, and by the league I mean the WNBA, is that we've got full blown specialists, elite experts at all. I don't say five positions, but all five spaces on the floor. The way that you didn't necessarily have that. There was a time when the league was guard heavy. There was a time when the league was front court heavy. I'm talking about the WNBA here. Now, oh, oh, you got experts at every level of the game. You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean experts in the context of like they know what they're doing. They're just better, is what I mean. And so I'm very interested to see how a Caitlin comes into the league because you know, I think we're in a we're in a phase where that that kind of a guard, uh, you know, is not it's not always the easiest go. You know what I mean? These, these, these smaller guards, if you will, are not guaranteed success. And Caitlin is obviously a legend. Um, we'll see what happens, you know, when, when Paige gets to the league. Uh, but there's a very interesting personnel thing happening with the WNBA in terms of the, the development of the game that I, I really enjoy a lot that I'm looking forward to in the next four or five seasons. And that, that's why I'm so excited about it. Cause like you have, you have these women that are currently just, tearing up you know basketball at that level at um in the high school level too I mean we have so many uh you know girls players in high school that are just killing it right now and it's going to be interest interesting to see in the next five six years you know where women's basketball goes um you know and I think we're having a um you're having a I, I think the WNBA because it's so it's such a new league too the excitement is just automatically going to be there because you have so many different, uh, you know, players that are coming into the league. The league's going to expand the next in the next few years. It has to. Um, I think there's too much talent. I mean, we saw people like Megan Gustafson get cut right after she got drafted. First round, first round picks, not yes. making teams. And I mean, for her to for for people like that to be cut and then you know have to find their way in other places i mean once the league gets to a point where and i i feel like that's already here when once they expand there'll be more positions that we could see you know more players get to and hopefully there's a stability where that's the only league that they have to play in is in the WNBA, hopefully. Well, here's, and this is the last thing I would say, cause I got to run, but here's where this overlap between the Mac McClung element 
and the WNBA thing happens, which is that world of baller and ball player and ball parent and ball human where you ain't got to be, you know, McDonald's everything for people to know who you are. That's where the women's game is going to thrive because I'm 40, I'm getting ready to be 42 years old. I'm just at the early start of the generation where it was like, dude, you show up to the to the gym, the girls are good. That, that's it. You know what I'm saying? You're not wasting your time talking about other stuff. I never lived in a world where the best women's basketball players and the best girls I ever played against were not better than me, potentially. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that was never the case. And so now, generationally, we look at this as it's just basketball for what it is. It's not comparative to the boys or the men. It's simply a product on its own. And that's a good stepping stone. That's not people say, oh, well, equality is all we want. No, no, no. You want to be able to highlight and showcase the best. And I think finally, general sports fans look at women's sports and specifically basketball in the lead. Soccer's obviously got a conversation in this, but they don't have the same national league, um, domestically rather, that, that basketball has. Or people look at women's basketball as women's basketball. They don't look at it as non-men's basketball. And that's a huge win. Um that probably shouldn't have ever had to be a victory, but people are assholes. So what are you going to do? Of course. And, you know, Clinton, since you said you do have to leave soon, but, you know, first I want you to just plug some of the things that you're doing. You're doing a lot. Um, and give us your, your handles on socials. I'm doing a lot, man. Um, you can find me at Clinton Yates on most socials. I got a couple of stories coming out this week. We're waiting on some things. Cause as you know, Baseball season is starting. Pitchers and catchers have already reported. Uh, we got position players coming in about a week or so, but the World Baseball Classic is coming up and college baseball season has started as well. So as well as softball season. So the diamond sports are where I'm active. And uh, like I said, you can find me on the socials at Clinton Yates, but I just started my TikTok, which is Yates Clinton the other way around. Check it out. And I got a lot of softball that I got to cover soon too. A lot of high school and uh, Penn State, Penn State women's soft. I mean, well, Penn State softball in general, they're five and zero right good? now. Yeah, okay. they're five and zero. So okay. like right. this, like what I'm seeing so far from them. Um, you know, they're gonna, they're really talented team. They swept Memphis, so you know. All right. Gotta- yes, yeah, softball to me still the most exciting product. NCAA D1 softball still the most exciting product we have on the diamond in this country. Watch Absolutely. a game, go to a game, you will have a blast. No I'm, questions asked. And I'm hoping that the leagues and the professional leagues get to a point where people, I mean, people always complain about how slow baseball is. Softball isn't slow. Softball no. is the fastest. Softball is faster than most people can keep up with. <laughs> it's one of the fastest games I've ever watched. So, you know, Absolutely. people have to watch it. But thank you, Clinton. I, I appreciate it, man. Kyle, no problem, man. Stay safe out there in Pennsylvania, brother. Absolutely. <laughs> Trying to.